Today on the Pollinator Podcast, how to not screw up the opportunity to get referrals from your best clients. Today on the Pollinator Podcast, a man that was very instrumental in helping me to, to grow my business when I first got started, and uh, a man who's known are literally around the world and countries uh, as far as the, the Far East, throughout Europe, all through uh, North and South America, has built relationships there that uh, have helped him grow his own businesses in multiple ventures through the process of networking and building referral relationships. Jeff Stay, thank you very much for being here today on our Pollinator Podcast and help fo helping folks to get the, the knowledge they need to pollinate their own opportunities. I'd say, well, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, as you know, we've had a number of conversations uh, in, in the very recent uh, few months, and it's awesome to reconnect with you. And my wife uh, sends her best. She's a school teacher, as, as I know you were. And uh, she says, you might have the smartest name of a podcast that she's heard, heard of yet. So uh, you never know. You might gain yourself a new fan with the Pollinator, uh, the Pollinator series. She loves it. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, uh, I value her opinion very highly, probably a little more than yours in, in some areas. I, I understand why. It's, it's just fine. All of our friends tell us, Jeff, thank God for Jenny, because we're, we're friends with you because you married her. I'm like, thanks a lot. There you go. All we can do is try and marry up, right? That's right. Absolutely. So, so just to, to give folks some, some context uh, to that, I mean, you've had a, a, a long career in, uh, in sales and then like, you know, other interesting things more than we certainly have time to, to talk about here today. But, uh, you know, you worked in, in corporate sales, in, in business development for, for big firms, but, um, you know, you got started in, in BNI down in Miami, you know, better than more than 10 years ago, more than, you know, 12, shoot, I'm not even sure how long ago. It was before I 20, got started then. 20, 22 years, uh, 22 years, uh, would have been, uh, would have been this year. So 22 years, built that up. One of the, the most successful BNI franchises in the world, invited all over the world to, to go and interact with, with other franchises, really kind of instrumental in helping to, to expand that out and, and you know, built it up. That organization has gone through a, a, you know, a lot of changes, but, uh, but then you know, the, the new ownership came in, you were able to, to sell your franchise back to them, now have some new ventures based on all those relationships which is one of the, the main reasons I wanted you to, to, to come in because something that we, we stress you know, a whole lot is you know, business can be transactional, but it's certainly a lot more sustainable when it's built on relationships. And so tell us a, tell us a little bit about, about that story and, and how you, you got into, into that and a little bit of that philosophy. But, uh, but I, you know, I may cut you off because I know you like me, you can be a little long-winded. And uh, we've had plenty of multi-hour conversations around this before, but we're going neither to- Neither one uh, of us, neither one of us lack, lack wind in our sails, right, Will? Neither, neither one, certainly. So, but uh, we're going to try to keep it under that, that, that half an hour that, that people are expecting. But tell us a little bit about that philosophy and how you maybe came to that. And then I want to really kind of dig into to one end of the, the kind of the, the sales process and the referral partner process. And that, that's around referrals from you know, existing clients, because that's one of the, the key things. That's the people that can probably tell your story the, the best is that, and people, people drop the ball. But go into, go into the past. Tell us a little of that history. Well, you know, I, it's a really kind of a fun story. I'll make it very quick for, for your audience. But, you know, I, I like to tell people, uh, I'll kind of, I'll sort of like reverse engineer it. You know, back in the day when I would be addressing larger audiences, especially here locally, 
they found it interesting and surprising, Will, that a guy from Minneapolis, Minnesota that had been relocated here at the age of 27 to lead an effort for a Fortune 500 company that was struggling to gain market share here. And I was their top salesman in my home market, which is Minneapolis, St. Paul. They found it interesting, if not altogether surprising, that a guy like me that didn't go to high school here, didn't go to college here, uh, could build the largest privately held business network in the Southeast. And you know, how did that happen? And, and I think it goes back to my first, my first days of, of being involved in, in the restaurant business, if you, can, if you can believe it. My grandmother was a, was a leader uh, way ahead of her time, uh, and she was the general manager and hostess of a large restaurant in Minneapolis uh, called Jack's Cafe. It's still there now. The Kozlak family is in their fourth generation. These are the kind of people, Will, that you'd really appreciate, right, being from Dukes, Florida, um, and kind of some of, the, some, of the, some of the things you do with the farming and whatnot. Well, the Kozlaks took great care of my grandmother, and I didn't realize this working for my grandmother as a busboy, Will, at the age of 16, that, that I was learning networking and relationship building by observation. Yeah. Uh, she would stand at the front, she'd stand at the front podium. She had four number two pencils, fully sharpened with perfect erasers. She knew every customer's name, every customer's wife's name or husband's name, what company they worked for, um, what table they liked to sit at what server they preferred, what drink or bartender would pour their drink in the right way. All those little details that you would think, you know, would, would be almost impossible to remember. She remembered. And I was blessed then with a memory very much like hers. And so fast forward uh, a couple of years, I graduate from college. I go to work for a company called Deluxe Corporation out of St. Paul. And lo and behold, one of my first clients is one of my, one of my at the time, one of my idols, Harvey McKay. Now, Harvey was an envelope salesman, and Harvey bought his checks from Deluxe, and of course, we bought envelopes from McKay Envelope. And so I got the chance, very young in my sales career, to be the first person given a laptop, to be the first person given a CRM-type system, uh, to be the first person given a cell phone for my car. And Harvey always found it very interesting that I was in his office, and I would, if, if he was running a little bit behind... Um, I would be on my laptop on his phone in his office setting my next appointments for the day. And so that turned from him really enjoying me as a salesman to kind of recruiting me uh, into the business. Um, I chose not to take that offer. Instead, I relocated to Miami. And in July of 1998, I met a woman by accident, literally, Will, at an event for the Business Professional Women's Luncheon at the Old Bankers Club. Her name was Barbara Walters. And no, not the one that was on TV, but Barbara Walters was an Arbonne Skincare representative. She was a retiree from New York. She was tired of the cold. She did not have a car. She took public transportation everywhere she went, which you know in Miami, it's not an easy thing to do. And she invited me to my first quote unquote networking meeting. And that was that was in July of, of 98. Uh, it was the first time I was introduced to BNI. And it was the first time that I really began to understand, Will, the distinction between sales and relationships, like customers and networking and relationships and how different, even how, how similar they are in many ways, but how different they really are once you start to kind of peel away the layers. So, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a people person at the end of the day. And so jump, to, jump into that real quick, because I think that's an important distinction for, for folks. And, and, you know, certainly we've had that, you know, we've trained on that and, and, and seen that, you know, I'm, I'm speaking at the, the, the chamber here uh, in a couple of weeks from when we're recording this. And, and you know, that's, 
certainly something that that we've seen and was probably the a key distinction within the context of BNI that originally drew me into BNI was you know talking about farming versus hunting in terms of networking. And we're not going into a networking organization just hunting for clients. We're looking to cultivate these relationships, which may or may not be with a potential client, but it may be with somebody that can refer us clients or to you know, make those introductions benefit our business in other ways. Well, and Will, you just hit the nail on the head. And so I think, you know, my, my, grand, my grandparents, my grandmother, every generation prior to my dad were farmers. Uh, we're, from, we're, from, we're from Norway. Um, we were, we had at one time, 10,000 acres on our farm. We farmed everything you can possibly imagine. My grandmother uh, and her seven siblings went through the great depression. She was a school teacher in a one room schoolhouse from grades one to 12. I mean, you know, hardship was something she understood. And what I mean by that is she talked about how valuable people are to you in, in, in great times and especially in hard times. Yeah. And she was constantly reinforcing in me to be mindful of how you of how you treat people because they'll remember you. And she never said what came after that. She sort of left that for us to learn. And you begin to learn very quickly, especially when you're selling a commodity or a transactional item, as opposed to really advising and consulting on something as important like what you do, helping business owners to clear sort of the, the fog off the windshield, stop wasting a bunch of money in places that they're misallocating those resources, help them redirect it. People are the same type of concept. You've, you've got to invest in people. I've, I've said for years that, that the secret to my success is not a secret. If, if I were to take you, Will, into my, into my index of contacts and LinkedIn, I can honestly look you in the eye and tell you, I know every single person that's in my 3,786 connections. Now, I may have 6,000 and some odd contacts, but in my LinkedIn, I know each of those people and they know me. And this is what I want to share with you a little bit about relationship building as it pertains to selling. Too many people sell on the basis of things other than the relationship. And what people are starving for, especially today, yeah. are, are meaningful, mutually reciprocal, and I, I say profitable, but I don't want people to misunderstand what I mean by that. Um, you and I haven't exchanged uh, profitable referrals in a while, and yet our relationship is still very well-funded because that social capital that we have between us, that positive energy and those shared experiences leave me and you both saying to each other, how can I help you now? Yeah. Right. Now that you're doing this thing, how can, who do I know that might be interested in working with you? Who do I know that might want to meet you that could introduce you to people that might be interested in working with you? And sometimes it's something completely different. Like, Hey, I, I know that Shannon just changed it from just job to that job. Is there anything I can do to help her or, or your kids with a school? Or, hey, there's some people I know that are in your neighborhood, in your area. They're good people. Maybe they know some people. So it, if you really just kind of drill it down to the basics, my grandmother said to me, she said, Jeff, you know, we didn't have all these dot-com online things. We had to go down to the grocery store and we had to, we had to know the shopkeeper. And there were times where we didn't have money to pay for the items that we needed. So 
she says, I feel like, and I fear, and this is, she's, she's since passed away, but she said, I fear that all this electronic technology and all these, all these tactics and things that people are being trained, we're losing the, 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 the art of caring about people in a way where even if what I'm doing today has no relevance to what you're doing today, we can still have a good relationship, one that is mutually capitalized. And as long as we nurture that, and that's where I really got clear with you, you know, and your presentations over the years, especially the story of, you know, of sending down the oranges, right, in favor of the orange bowl, and that whole concept, and that bar of iron talk that we used to have, you know, listening to you talk about planting the seed, and what you have to do in order to have that harvest so many weeks and months later, relationships, believe it or not, are very much the same as the soil of a farm. Yeah. If you abuse that soil, if you don't care for it, the way that you need to, it will, it will atrophy and eventually die off. And so too, well, your relationships. And that's the awkwardness that people feel yep. when all of a sudden something changes in their life that they maybe didn't expect. Now they need people more than ever. And they kind of sit there with a blank look on their face and they don't know what to do. And they don't know who to call because there's no amount of digital marketing that or, 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 or mailing that's going to get them out of where they are. They're going to have to do it through people. I, I think that's Obviously, that's absolutely right. And, you know, the, the key thing there is, is ultimately the sustainability of it all and, and all, all those relationships. And I, I have to have these conversations with people you know, a lot of times like, yeah, there are certain tactics, there are certain strategies that can go out that can that can generate generate a lot of revenue in the, in the short term. And maybe even it starts to see seem, um, uh, you know, like it could be in the, the long term or last for a couple of years. But what people don't realize is that they're actually burning through uh, audiences. They're burning through markets, and and the only way that it is sustainable is to to, to move and, uh, and and expand that market. And eventually, it's just it's not sustainable because it it's just not profitable. Like at the end of the day, we all know that our most profitable uh, clientele, our most profitable sales are the repeat sales that we get from people that we've already built that relationship with, that we've, we've, we've delivered those results to. And so that's, that's where I really want to shift and kind of get your, your insights on now, because we would think that those people that we've delivered those kind of results to would be our best referral sources. And certainly there's that potential, but a lot of people drop the ball there because I, my perception is that they just feel like it's supposed to happen, like it's supposed to be this natural thing, but it's not. And, you know, like or in, they in put, our model, or they, put on their, or they put on their business card you know, on the back, you know, the highest compliment you can pay me is to refer me someone like you, right? And yet, like and, yet, and yet it doesn't happen. And people wonder, like, I did a really good job for this person. I, you know, I provided really good service. I even, you know, I even gave them my, my, my best client rate, you know, like hoping and expecting that, that something additional would happen and nothing happened. Why is that? So we talk about propagating that sale, right? Like, so, you know, you, you would harvest something and you'd have the, the seed or something like we planted potatoes recently in our garden from, you know, old potatoes, right? So you, there, there is that opportunity to propagate a sale, but it, it, take, it takes work. Like it, it doesn't really just happen on its own, unless you go through the action. So what are some of the mistakes that people, besides just that mindset and assumption that they, they make in kind of the, the, the tactical application of, 
generating quality referrals from their best clientele? So I think uh, I won't go through any particular order. I'll just give you some thoughts on kind of where we where we where we've come to. I think the number one thing, and it sounds so simple that it almost will maybe get glazed over, but I think the first thing that people don't do often enough, Will, is they don't ask their customer or their client how their relationship is working. Yeah. It's very much like being involved in a dating relationship or a marriage or even a, even a close friendship. You know, from time to time, you need to check in with the other person to find out is the relationship, the kind of relationship that they, that they celebrate. Is, you know, do they feel good about it? Do, do they feel like it's a win-win? Are they getting what they need? And, 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 and are you getting what you need? And that's kind of why I put on the background there for you. Your perception is not their reality because we perceive a great many things and we prejudge those things because it's human nature to do that. I'll give you a great example. I've got numerous multimillionaire uh, friends and clients or former clients and they're wildly successful people, Will. Yeah. People, people often mistake that those people don't need anything. That they, that they, you know, they live in a beautiful home and maybe have several of them. They drive beautiful cars and maybe have many of them. They forget, though, that those people are, are just like us and that they might want a, a better relationship with their doctor or with their accountant or with their banker. And your doctor, banker, accountant might be the right one for that person. So I think active listening is a really big law. It's a, it's a really big and important topic. And, I, and when I say active listening, I would almost want to put proactive listening. Yeah. Because if I'm proactively listening, Will, to what's happening with you in your life, it's more than just then the sale. And I think that's what I learned most uh, most acutely from Harvey McKay in his first book, Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive, his philosophy around sales was that they were never going to sell well on the basis of price. They were always going to know their customer better. Okay. He right. developed a, he developed a survey called the McKay 33 in his next book called Beware the Naked Man Who Offers You a Shirt. He turned it into the McKay 66. These were the 66 things that Harvey and his, and his sales leadership expected the salesmen or saleswomen to know about their customer mm -hmm. and about their prospective customer. And it was things that you might even find surprising, like anniversary, like wedding anniversary dates, uh, birth dates of children, um, where, they went to, where they went to high school, um, what advanced degrees that they might have, like things that today we might easily look over on LinkedIn and just sort of glance past. This was very innovative for the time because you're talking back in the late 70s, early 80s, right? Before CRMs were even a thing, right? And the, the Rolodex, as Harvey likes to say, was king. Um, and so I think that proactive listening is very important because if you're genuinely interested in helping the person across the desk from you, then it's about them, not about, it's as much about them as it is about you. Yeah. And we've got to turn off that station that we always talk about. Like most, most people are naturally and inherently selfish. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you know, we're, we're kind of taught to fend for ourselves. Like, you know, and so naturally you get up in the morning and you think I got to go out there and make it happen because no one's going to, no one's going to take care of me, but me. Right. 
And so we get really programmed with these fancy things about how we got to get to yes faster, or we've got to, you know, two steps, three steps to get to this. And we forget that the human being on the other side of that desk has a life that they're living, has a husband or a wife or a partner that they're supporting, may have a child that's sick, a relative that's sick. I mean, these times, especially now, have, have you would think, would have brought us closer together. And yet I listen every day, Will, to people talking about how frustrated they are in the online environment. Yeah. And, and I'll ask them one question, uh, especially business people. How active are you on LinkedIn? And nine out of 10 people, even today, Will, will shuffle a little bit and go, <laughs> I mean, you know, I got a profile, but I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if I've been there. You would have thought, right? I would have thought, I would assume that LinkedIn would have become far more valuable to people during the pandemic. Believe it or not, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be amazed at how many people still don't respond to, to proactive communication. And it's things that are complimentary in nature. Congratulations on your new job. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Um, hey, wow, that's great. You, you got, you got, you got the promotion, right? Or you changed companies and it's complete crickets. And so proactive listening is one thing. I think, I think taking action is very important. Well, that, if, that's something specific that I wanted to, to ask you about, right? So, I mean, just to kind of paint a scenario, you know, it, 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 it does go back to that selfish nature, right? Like you are looking to expand. You know this person, you know, you've delivered good. You've done what you said. You've proactive listening. You have somewhat of a, a relationship there. Still professional, may get personal in some, some cases, but even when it is just that, that professional relationship you've delivered good results on, tactically, how, how do you recommend that people open up that conversation to say, you know, I've, I've delivered good results for you. Can you introduce me or recommend me to other people like you or other people that are, were ex, are experiencing the same frustrations that, that I've helped you with or, or the same problems that, that we provide a solution to? So many years ago, Will, I, I took a program called the Dynamics of Selling. It was, a, it was a, an insurance-based program. And it was designed to sort of pierce that veil of the professional relationship. Because when you're selling high-value, you know, high high-end property and casualty risk management services to you know, people like Carnival Cruise Lines and or Northwest Airlines, you're dealing at the, at the CEO, CFO level. You're yeah. probably going to be presenting to the board at some point. And it's very difficult in those higher level echelons to get beyond the, the, the business side of things. And so one of the ways that I always felt was effective to do that was to ask them or invite them to consider letting you help them solve a problem that had nothing to do with what you were there to sell them. Mm. So I want you to just take that on for a second. What's the number one challenge you're facing right now, Will? What's the key business challenge? What's the number one obstacle to you accomplishing your goals corporately yeah. that I might be able to help you with? And let me give you some examples of how other clients of mine have allowed me to help. I had a client CFO whose daughter was going through a lot of emotional issues. They couldn't find the right mental health professional for her. So I reached out to my resources and thankfully, we were able to find someone that she really felt comfortable with. It was a great fit for her. And it prevented the CFO, who was my client, from having to relocate back to his home state 
back to her original doctor because it was that serious for them as a family. Second case in point, CEO I'm working with, we're supposed to we're supposed to close the deal on a major item that we're working on. I've done everything, Will, that they've asked me to do. I've, I've got the price where they want it. I got the terms where they wanted it. Everything was like, I'm walking in thinking it's a home run. And he's got this disheveled look on his face. He's like, Jeff, I really wish I could help you, but I've got to go. My nanny just got deported. And my wife is calling hysterical because she's a trauma nurse down at Jackson. And I got to go pick up my kids now because my nanny's literally on her way to being deported. And I'm just going to have to renew my insurance with the other guy because, you know, I don't have time to look at this. And I said, if I could solve that problem for you right now with a licensed and bonded company that can come and take care of that issue, could you at least then be willing to revisit this with me? And he goes, buddy, you know, the world is your oyster if you can solve this problem. Well, you remember Alan Kuhlmeyer? Oh, yeah. Alan Kuhlmeyer's cousin ran a licensed and bonded nanny service that specialized in these types of scenarios where the family that was taking care of the family ran out of time, their visa expired, they, they you know, not being deported per se, but there was a transition with their most valuable assets, their children, and they didn't want to just give them to anybody. And so rather than having to pick up and move, they were able to count on this company for these things. Well, lo and behold, yes, I, I saved the client, saved the deal. I was a hero at my agency, but I want to really point out that I made it a habit from that time forward. You know, Stephen Covey likes to say the seven habits of highly successful people. I would tell you there's eight. Okay. And the eighth habit is get in the habit of asking people how you can help them with absolutely no thought in, of what you're going to get in return. Yep. It's, it's what Bob Berg would say is the go-giver mindset. You know, do something, do something for someone. Take an action for someone. Follow through on a commitment. You know, uh, deliver on a promise that has nothing to do with, with what you're doing with that person. Because as Ivan Meisner taught me, and I'm sure many others, no one cares how much you know about what it is that you do until they know how much you care about them as a person. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's not a secret. It certainly isn't my secret, but I've, I've tried to really show people that I work with that I care about more than just whatever it is I'm buying or selling. Even the people that, that, that sell to me, I try to figure out how do I help these people beyond what they're, what they're charging me for their services. Now, to your point about, about understanding the referral relationship, it really just comes down to being, I'm going to say courageous. It's not really, but let's call it open. Be open to constructive feedback. Hey, Will, you know, how am I, how am I doing for you? Right? Are you happy with our service? Are is our pricing where you need it to be? Um, are the people that you interact with are, are they treating you and your people the way that you expect to be treated? You know, and I don't think a lot of people ask those questions. I can tell you, and I I don't want to, you know, color anybody negatively, but you know, well, over the years I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on professional services. Yeah. It is it is rare if ever that I get that phone call that says, hey, I'm just calling up to find out how we're doing. You're an important customer of ours. And I really want you to know how much I value you in addition to your business. And I'm not saying that, you know, as a complaint, I'm saying that, that we have to, we really have to push that eighth habit. 
right? Yeah. We've really got to get people thinking what, you know, how can I be valuable to you beyond just the professional stuff? Now, some people are going to say, oh, no, I'm good. And, and that doesn't mean that it ends there, though. No. They're, gonna say, they're not prepared, Will. They're not prepared to answer that question. So if you. Well, because if nobody not, ever asks that question. Right. And I mean, that's. And, and I, I know I've certainly been guilty of it uh, as well, but you know, people assume that because people are still paying your, your retainer or they're still buying from you, that everything is good. And uh, just like to the, the analogy with the, the, the personal, uh, you know, like marriage relationships and other, other than that, like we know plenty of people that have been completely, uh, uh, you know, knocked sideways by all of a sudden relationships falling apart that they, they didn't realize, you know, their perception was not their mate's reality. I'm the biggest. Reality. I'm the biggest offender. Will I tell people all the time if if it were, it were if it were illegal to have misperceptions of people, I'd be in handcuffs most of the time because I'm the biggest offender of the thing I'm trying to help other people avoid, which is if you let that self talk in your head and little things like concern you without asking how that person feels about it, then you're going to be subject only to the best thoughts or worst thoughts that you have, ask them what it, what it's like to do business with you and, and then be open to what they'll tell you. Well, you know me very well. And so I'll tell you the, the, the top three complaints about me are number one, I have a, I have an issue with time, not just arriving on time, but I have an issue managing my own time because I, I, I tend to want to share with people uh, so much of what they want to know that I, I lose track of it. I've even gone so far now, Willis, to start using one of these. There you so go. I, I turn the hourglass over and when that thing is done, I know that, that my time my time is up, right? And so I'm saying this to you so you understand, like if you know, if you've SWOT analysis yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, because that presents you then with opportunities to change, leverage those strengths, right? But then overcome those weaknesses Right, because those threats are things that you probably don't even know and that you can't even see. So, you know, one of the things that Earl Nightingale taught me, and he's one of my favorite speakers, was just, you know, become, you know, we become what we think about. And and he he always said we become what we think about. And I, I I got to thinking about that literally, no pun intended. And I said, Well, but what about what they think? Right? Like I know what I think, but what about what they think? So Back in the day, you asked me a question. What do you feel like saying? And I remember the first time you asked me that question. I I had no, I had no idea. Disheveled look. Yeah. I would be like, oh, you know, the the sun is hot. My bills are due. Like a lot of stress, right? I didn't know what to say. Well, by the third or fourth time that you shared that with me, you probably had a hard time shutting me up. Right? Yes. Right. And so. What I'm trying to say here is don't let your perception of how things are going in referral marketing, don't let that be the reality of what is between you. Actually be more like an archaeologist, right? Dig a little bit, be okay with some uncomfortable answers. Uh, be okay if they tell you some things haven't gone the way they hoped. You promised me a quote in three weeks. It took you five to get it to me. I felt kind of jammed up because the other guys got theirs in on time. You didn't, right? Those kinds of things are those little tidbits that you need to know. And I like to ask people, is there, is there any reason that you wouldn't refer me to someone that, 
you are that is highly valuable to you and that then that you're in a very big a very a trusting relationship with and i want you to be honest with me because if you won't refer me to your most trusted relationship or relationships then i need to work on whatever those things are to earn that with you and that's all about tracking yeah. you've got to track you got to track what happens in your relationships and i say that from a referral perspective right and here's the last thing I'll share. And then you can ask me all the questions you want. You know, follow-up is something that people preach a lot. Like, hey, follow up. Follow up on the referral that you receive, right? It's, it's important to do that. But it's also important to follow through. Yeah. Especially when you're not the party that's acting in the referral environment. In other words, if, if someone has said, I want to meet these kinds of people, and you end up putting those two people together, don't let it stop there because you'll perceive that everything went well and that they did business together and that, wow, chalk went up for Jeff because Will said he wanted to meet this person. And so I introduced you to that person. I'm thinking, ooh, attaboy, pat myself on the back. If I don't follow through to see how it went and to ensure that both sides got what they were looking for, and if they didn't act in some way as a buffer and a bridge for them because you know they were good people or you wouldn't put them together, if I don't act in some way on that on that on that pro on, on that follow through piece, then then people at some point will perceive that you're just trying to look good by by introducing them to people who really had no interest and no ability to buy whatever it is that you were selling. But yeah. nonetheless, I let my perception of me thinking I'm great, right, drive me to the point where I call you up and go, "Whoa, what's going on, man?" You know, I given you five, I given you five referrals and you ain't done nothing for me. So what's going, what gives brother? And, and then all the time. And they're thinking like, this dude has wasted my time with these five referrals. And what you think is, is actually building the soil in that relationship is actually depleting it and, uh, and potentially even poisoning. It. So we are coming up to the time. I, you know, there are plenty of other questions that, that we could dig into and, uh, and have some of our, our long three, four five hour conversations i'm sure but this is not the joe rogan podcast this is the pollinator podcast <laughs> we're gonna come in like come in like bees here and uh and, and move on to the to the next one so you know you've got a lot of new things going on um you know with you you know take a take a minute tell us about you know what what you can or or what's what's open but uh but how can people get in contact with you if they want to dig deeper into to this whole idea of, of building up their referral marketing machine well, and you know, I love collaborating with you, Will. So anytime I get the chance to to, to do things uh, with you in the room is a is a is a, a real value for me. And I'm looking forward later in the year to to talking to you about the event that we're going to put together. And I'm hoping that you'll you'll join us. For me, um, there's two things I'm really working on. One is I chose to go to work for an entrepreneur friend of mine who's building an IT business, and so. Um, Opportunities to talk IT for me are very valuable today uh, because I'm not an IT technician. That's not the angle I'm coming at. I'm trying to understand the IT business uh, in, a, in a unique and different way. You know, there are so many will manage service providers that are that are out there doing really very similar things. And so I'm trying to figure out how to reinvent that model so it works better for the owner and for the customer alike. So any opportunities to talk to IT people uh, of any kind would be interesting for me. As for my stay successful practice, really, it, it, you know, we're, we're, we're in the process now of redesigning our website, our online presence. Um, we will have a, 
uh, an actionable, like a portal for you to go to. So you can kind of experience a, a number of different, uh, I'll call them interactions on the site that will let you sort of decide how you want to proceed forward. Uh, I've learned very, very much, Will, thanks to you in some ways uh, for the work that we did years ago, that, that the enormity of curriculum is large, right? So you got to break it down into, into digestible pieces. Yeah. And so we think we think we have the five things now that, that people really want to work on. So uh, what I'd love to do is just uh, send people to my LinkedIn page, which I'm on LinkedIn for now, um, while the website's being spun up. And at some later point in time, I'll send an announcement to you that we're going to launch. I'm planning to launch right now for October. Um, so give us some time to, to do some, uh, I'll call them soft launches along the way so that people like yourself and others that we ask to go check it out and kind of give us their collaborative feedback. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that we leave a, a link in wherever the, the, the text is around this video, whatever platform that is, and they can find you on, uh, on LinkedIn and reach out there so that you can get to, to know them since uh, you, know, you have that relationship with everybody there. But uh, Jeff Stay, I appreciate the time that you've taken and uh, I appreciate you know, the, the, the great effort that I know it takes for, uh, for a man like you with all the information you have to share to, to keep it uh, relatively brief today. So appreciate that. Jenny will be proud, I can tell you. Well, I appreciate that very much, Will. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I, I wish you great success with this. As always, if there's any way I can continue to help, please let me know. All right. Well, I hope everybody can take all this stuff that Jeff has shared with us today and go and get your hands dirty with it. Be well.